If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Good evening and thanks for joining us tonight. Well, it's been an especially violent weekend across Metro Vancouver with shootings and victims ending up in hospital. The most serious attack was early this morning in Surrey, where a man died under suspicious circumstances. Grace Key begins our coverage tonight. It's Surrey's first homicide for 2018. It happened near the Cloverdale Fairgrounds in this home on 64th Avenue near 178th Street. Police were called here at about 12.25 in the morning. First responders found a man in distress who later died. The house is isolated and surrounded by industrial businesses. People working in the area say they've never witnessed any problems with the home. Nothing problem that I did. Have you ever seen people in the house? No, I don't know. Parts of 64th Avenue were closed during the investigation. IHIT, the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, has taken over the case. It's early in the investigation, but police do not believe the incident is a random act and foul play is suspected. People in the area were shocked to hear of the murder investigation. It makes me sick, like sick to my stomach, scared for the people that are at risk. Police have canvassed the area and interviewed people nearby. Investigators have released few details about the homicide, including how the man died or if this could be gang-related. Grace Key, Global News. Well, last night, two men were shot at while in a parking lot in Vancouver and a house in Burnaby left sprayed with bullets. Paul Johnson has that part of the story. Pouring over the evidence in the first of two targeted shootings in Vancouver and Burnaby Saturday night. This one happened around 8 o'clock in this industrial area near the Knight Street Bridge in South Vancouver. Police say two men in their 20s were shot and taken to hospital with non-life-threatening wounds. Shortly after that, a torched car was found in Burnaby. Was this the getaway car? Only about two hours later, more gunfire. This time, a house in central Burnaby is shot up as several people were settling down inside for the night. No one here was hurt, but by daylight, you could clearly see the marks from multiple rounds that were fired. I spoke with one of the occupants. He says he doesn't know why the house was targeted. A lot of the neighbors around here say the police are frequently here and they think that there has been trouble at this address in the past. Add two more to the list of the Lower Mainland's ongoing gun violence epidemic, with Saturday nights following the usual pattern, targeted, and with the shooters getting away. Paul Johnson, Global News. In other news tonight, the actions of a Vancouver police officer are being investigated by the province's police watchdog. An unmarked police vehicle near Knight Street and 20th Avenue hit a pedestrian at about 9.30 last night. The victim was rushed to hospital with serious injuries. Now, the Independent Investigations Office wants to speak with any witnesses who might have seen what happened. 
we will look at the speed of the vehicle, um, how it was being driven, we'll look at the lighting conditions, we'll look at the road conditions, we'll look at what the pedestrian was doing, where they were and how they were uh, acting. Um, all of that will go into our consideration as to whether or not at the end of the day we determine uh, whether this matter should be referred to the Crown for charges or whether we find that it doesn't support any charges. Good news tonight for two groups who got lost in the backcountry this weekend. The first one involves the search for two snowmobilers. They were lost outside Revelstoke. Uh, two 24-year-olds, Taylor DeMonso and Andrew McLeod, they're both from Kelowna. Uh, they were sledding on Boulder Mountain yesterday, but when they failed to return the gear that they'd rented, they were reported missing. Searchers spent five hours looking for them last night. Today, the mountain was closed to other sledders and helicopters were brought in. At about one o'clock this afternoon, the men were found. Both were cold, but doing okay. And two Spanish skiers who were lost for four days off, uh, off of Kicking Horse Mountain Resort in the Kootenays, they were also found today. The RCMP is saying that the man and woman in their early 40s were reported missing after they didn't check out of their hotel last night. A search and rescue team eventually found them in the Canyon Creek area. They have been taken to hospital with minor injuries. Now, most people love a good offer, and starting tomorrow, you can register to get a $25 gift card from grocery store giant Loblaws. This comes after the company admitted to taking part in an industry-wide price-fixing scheme on bread. One consumer expert says, do not get the card, though. Kristen Robinson tells us why. After admitting to participating in price-fixing, a Canadian staple for more than a decade, this is Loblaw's first step to regaining customers' trust. But not everyone is buying the $25 apology. How many cards are they going to hand out and how can they promise that they wouldn't do that about other things? Well, how much money have they made uh, throughout the whole process cheating people out of this you know, inflated price for bread? In December, Loblaw and its parent company, George Weston, revealed their bakery and grocery divisions regularly colluded in driving up the price of bread from late 2001 to March 2015. Going forward, SFU marketing expert Lindsay Meredith says the Loblaw card is a smart move. Now when you make a bad mistake like price fixing, you come clean, mea culpa, fess up, try to make things right. If you don't, the social network guys are going to get you, and they're going to get you bad. The goodwill gesture is no breadwinner, says the Ontario woman behind a $1 billion class action lawsuit over the bread price-fixing scheme. I figured out that we, over 14 years, we probably bought over 2,500 loaves of bread. So that's a penny of bread, and I'm sure they didn't collude for a penny of bread. Loblaw says accepting the card will not preclude you from joining any class action or receiving additional compensation from the court. Still, Canada's consumer watchdog says people need to consider whether $25 in free groceries is holding people to account. We want to know, we need to know who these people are. And we need to know that they're going to stop doing it. Loblaw could pay out up to $150 million, with between 3 and 6 million people qualifying for the program some of whom say they'll be donating their cash cards to the food bank. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Now, you might have been a little shocked if you saw this in Maple Ridge this afternoon, a minivan crashing into a local restaurant. The vehicle ended up into the corner of the Ricky's Country Restaurant on Lowheat Highway in Maple Meadows Way. No word yet on the crash, uh, or the cause of the crash even. Unfortunately, no reports that anybody was hurt. 
Local Syrian refugees are celebrating their third Orthodox Christmas in B.C. The St. Gregory Armenian Church in Richmond has the largest sponsorship agreement to bring Christian Syrian refugees into the Lower Mainland. So far, it has more than 150 members, making this parish one of the largest private sponsors in B.C. Having a peaceful Christmas here, celebrating their culture uh, and uh, Christmas in a very... Um, environment that it's you know it feels like a family uh, as a community and uh, so we're so happy the community helped us too much to find jobs houses still ahead tonight the man president trump nicknamed sloppy steve is full of regret we'll tell you what steve bannon has been saying in the latest on the bombshell book about trump in the white house also ahead on the news hour, tragedy in Nova Scotia as multiple people died in an early morning house fire. We'll get the latest on the investigation there for you in a few minutes too. Well, tonight the family of a woman who was caught on camera with a racist rant is speaking out. The video attracted a strong public response, but the woman's son says there is much more to this story and everyone needs to better understand those living with a mental illness. Tanya Beja reports. I thought, oh my God, that's my mom, and she's and she's everywhere too. Christian Shirabella says he was caught off guard by a viral video that documents a racist rant by his mother. You are not like the rest of us. Oh. God help us. I was quite shocked, and I didn't think my mom could really say something like that. But Shirabella wants the public to know his mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia two and a half years ago. She took the medication, and she seemed to get better, but then... She stopped taking it. It's hard to get people to take their medication, especially when you're really paranoid. In the video, his mother shouts racist insults at 24-year-old Anika Vassell, who was sitting in her car at Broadway in Ontario. I also felt bad for Anika, the driver, because, I mean, something like that, someone coming up to you and just knocking at your door and then saying some pretty racist stuff is must have been hard for her. But he believes the footage and comments now plastered on social media have put his mother at risk. It kind of sickens me to see that my mom is now being attacked by all these people and that it could be someone else's mom. Like if she goes outside and if someone actually says, oh hey you're that lady or in any way like that, I mean she's probably going to be really scared and uh, it's it, it'll be really bad because she'll just isolate herself even more. Only posted the video because I just wanted to show that racism does exist um, and that I don't think it should be condoned. Vassell is also warning others not to seek vengeance against the woman who verbally assaulted her. I would hope that she gets the help that she needs, that her family members can help her get that help, that anyone else in that position is able to uh, get the resources for that. Tanya Beja, Global News. Heartbreak in a tight-knit community in Nova Scotia after a fire completely destroyed a home, killing multiple people inside. Sources telling Global News that the victims may have been children. Overnight, fire ripped through a home, resulting in the deaths of multiple people. RCMP are saying very little about the fatal fire at this time. They will not confirm how many victims there are, their ages or gender. However, community members tell Global News four children were killed in the fire. We got paged at 12.20, and when we arrived on site, the house was all engulfed with flame at the time. It was very, it was quick, you know. And we were here two hours before we could get the fire extinguished to, to what it is now. 
This is a very preliminary investigation and a very complex investigation. Um, at this point in time, we are not able to release a lot of details that are very specific to the investigation until we've confirmed those things. It's quite a tragedy for the family and families, so it's, it's devastating for the community. Um, but the community is going to be there for them, so whatever they need, they all have to do is reach out to us and we're going to help them. The community is planning to come together to try to help the families affected by this fire. More information is expected to be released by the RCMP on Monday. Natasha Pace, Global News, Pubnico, Nova Scotia. More than 30 people are missing in the East China Sea after an oil tanker collided with a cargo ship near Shanghai. The crash causing the tanker to burst into flames, sending thick clouds of black smoke into the air. 32 crew members from Iran and Bangladesh were on board the tanker. None of them have been found, but the crew on the cargo ship were rescued. The cause of this crash is being investigated. Officials saying that poor weather may have been a factor. In U.S. politics, an apology from Steve Bannon. The ex-White House chief strategist is now backtracking on comments he made in a controversial new book about the Trump in the White House. Former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon, apparently trying to patch things up with President Trump, now expressing regret for comments made in the new book, Fire and Fury, including about the president's son. In a statement, Bannon said Donald Trump Jr. is both a patriot and a good man. But Bannon had reportedly told author Michael Wolff that Trump Jr. and son-in-law Jared Kushner's meeting with a Russian lawyer over possible dirt on Hillary Clinton was treasonous and unpatriotic, and that prosecutors were going to crack Don Jr. like an egg on national TV. It reads like an angry, vindictive person spouting off to a highly discreditable author. But Wolf stands by what he wrote. If I left out anything, it's probably stuff that was even more damning. It's that, it's that it's, bad. It's that bad. I mean, it's, it's an extraordinary moment in time. President Trump fought back Sunday, tweeting, I've had to put up with the fake news from the first day I announced that I would be running for president. Now I have to put up with a fake book. Fire and Fury claims those around the president question his intelligence and mental fitness. But his team disputes that. Statements like the one Mr. Wolf made about uh, how, how we all think about the president, just, they're just ridiculous on their face. They're, they're frankly beneath the conversation. The CIA director also says the president is fully engaged and understands complex issues. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. A somber ceremony in France today to mark three years since a series of terror attacks that left 17 people dead. On January the 7th, 2015, two French-born brothers stormed the offices of Charlie Hebdo, which is a French satirical newspaper. Twelve people were killed in the days that followed. Two more attacks. A police officer was shot to death and four people were taken hostage and then killed in a supermarket. All three gunmen died. Iran's Revolutionary Guard has declared victory in the wave of anti-government protests. In a statement, the Guard said that they have quelled an uprising and blamed the unrest on the U.S., Israel and Saudi Arabia. It comes after dozens of students were arrested. Thousands of others have already been jailed since the protests began. On social media, signs of protest, well, that's still there, with many posting videos showing people burning government documents. Stuck for days, and now they're dealing with a load of wet bags. Stranded passengers at JFK Airport were forced to evacuate into the cold after the airport baggage area flooded. It's the latest in a series of frustration for travellers there.
New York's Kennedy Airport facing another day of chaos. A water main break in its international terminal leading to power outages and a shutdown of arrivals in one of the nation's busiest airports. I just found out right now that my bags might be subject to water damage too. This after a weekend of travel nightmares. Flights canceled, planes delayed for hours, and now passengers scouring aisles of piled bags trying to reunite with lost luggage. Trying to get my bags for like three days. It's crazy. The bitter chill not loosening its grip on a bulk of the country just yet. In the Midwest, cars sliding off the road due to freezing rain in Springfield, Missouri. While officials in Chicago had to shut down an entire street as icicles dangled dangerously from a city high rise. Some took the freeze in stride. Philly's finest enjoying the snow, steps away from a frozen Schuylkill River. And for researchers in Mount Washington, it might have felt like 94 degrees below zero, but that wasn't enough to literally burst their bubble. Tonight is the coldest night ever recorded in JFK Airport's history at a record-breaking six degrees. Inside, there were power outages at baggage claim and hundreds of flights delayed. This is after authorities say that water main break was caused by a frozen pipe. Thousands of people in Spain have spent a frozen night trapped in their cars due to a nasty winter storm that they have been dealing with. Hundreds of soldiers and police officers had to be deployed uh, to rescue people trapped on a highway near the Spanish-French border. Now, they've had unusually heavy snowfall, made highways impassable for several hours, some drivers becoming stuck after returning from Orthodox Christmas Eve celebrations. A lot of them didn't have winter tires. It is the final night for several Sears stores across the country. Tomorrow, they will be closing for good. In October, Sears Canada was granted approval to liquidate its remaining 130 stores, leaving roughly 12,000 employees without a job. Tomorrow, several stores, including the one in Langley, will be closing. All stores coast to coast scheduled to close by January the 14th. In Calgary, customers tried to comb the shelves for bargains, but found that by this point, there wasn't really much left. Uh, lots and lots of fixtures that the store is selling. Um, I picked up a nice little round table that's not necessarily for a store. And the deals are really quite good, like 80% off on a lot of the stuff now. Um, and it's going very, very fast. Yep, people are quick to grab a bargain. Now, the winning numbers have been drawn, but still no one has claimed the $560 million in the Powerball draw. Well, we have the number 29, and we're going to round it out for you tonight. Yeah, New Hampshire lottery officials have confirmed that the winning ticket was bought in a small market store. Uh, it is uh, stirring up a lot of excitement in the town, with many trying to guess who their new millionaire neighbor will be. The store itself will receive $75,000 for selling the Easy Pick Powerball number. It's nice that they get something as well. Sure. Exciting. Yeah. Isn't that funny? There's somebody there who's, who either doesn't know. I think they should just run up and say, it was me. I won the $560 million. No one, you know, I think it would be just fine. Yeah. And then yeah. to see how many people then sure start chasing I'm sure they're shocked me. and then, uh, you know. 
Yeah, they're probably got, stunned right now. they got some homework they got to do. How do they yeah. want to handle this? Maybe they're bathing yeah. in champagne right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, uh, what's the weather looking like, Yvonne? It's been pretty soggy today. We have been tracking more rainfall uh, for us across the south coast and much of Metro Vancouver. A bit of a lull in the action, though, and some of the, as we take a look at the satellite and radar, uh, the moisture is just to the south of us, but we'll continue to see this rain even leading in towards our Monday. We do still have wind warnings that are in effect across the central and northern sections of the island, or the central coast, rather. I'll have more on that we'll talk about how long the rain's gonna last coming up all right good stuff and in sport what's happening today? well canucks are back at it they, they played well in toronto last night and lost uh, three two in a shootout but they're in montreal tonight did not get off to a very good start they uh, i guess they didn't get in until 2 a.m in montreal with the flight and everything looked a little sleepy but they've recovered and it's a uh, 2-2 at last check mid-third so i'll have highlights of that coming up and two more NFL playoff games, one real good one and one real bad one. So we'll highlight some of those. <laughs> All right, good balance there. Thank you. All right, also coming up, Define the Winter Chill, video you don't want to miss. Yvonne, this is for you. Yeah, pandas at a zoo in China making the most of a winter wonderland. See, they know how to have fun. And also on the news hour, it's the news a family desperate for a bone marrow match was praying for. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, a pilot project in the U.S. is trying to find opioid addiction in a different way. Those dependent on the drug are being asked to find new ways of dealing with the pain. Marty Krolukal desperately wanted to get off methadone. She was prescribed the opioid for chronic pain after cancer treatment, but couldn't quit on her own. After a day and a half, I was in withdrawal, nose running, in pain. I couldn't do it. But then she met Kelly Garrity, who had also struggled with opioids and had found a way out. I said, is it possible to get off them? And she said, well, I did. Breathing in. They both got help through pain management rehabilitation, a pilot program at Kaiser Permanente in Santa Clara, California. Patients work with doctors to gradually stop taking addictive medications. But more importantly, they work together on coping techniques. There's meditation, physical therapy, even walking as a group. This is a community. This is what it's all about. Yeah. This is what really helps us to move into managing our pain. Taking opioids rewires the brain so patients can't manage pain on their own and become dependent. But doctors have discovered that working together as a group actually helps to retrain the brain. Our goal ultimately is to retrain the nervous system and uh, open new pathways that will allow them to help better manage their pain. There's no long-term data yet, but so far, emergency room visits for participants are down 80%. Doctors' visits are down 20% as they learn to deal with their pain without drugs. Today, we're going to go back to the Something surgery. Kelly wasn't able to do until she came here more than two years ago, dependent on opioids for back pain and feeling helpless. You're isolated, you're depressed, you're lonely. She still attends sessions almost daily as both a patient and now a mentor to other patients like Marty. Both women are now off opioids completely. I'm enjoying life versus just struggling to survive. It's opened up the possibilities of many things that I did before that I was convinced that I could never do again. Thanks to their new friendship and support, living life drug-free. Dr. John Torres, NBC News, Santa Clara, California. All right, we will get a full check on your weather forecast with Yvonne after this break. Plus, the final king tide of the season rises up along the shorelines of Metro Vancouver. Stay with us for that too. 
Welcome back. Now, heavy snowfall in recent weeks has caused a lot of headaches for many people in our province. Uh, crews, of course, have been out in ploughs working overtime trying to clear away all of that mess. Now, a man in the Okanagan says that those efforts have caused damage to his property that will cost him thousands to fix. There's no excuse for this. Kahan Motoresi's new fence is toppled over. He says snow plows cleared more than just the snow. They also left a gaping hole around his yard. This is not a little bit of damage. This is this this post. They're all concrete. The posts they are brand new, treated about four inch to five inch diameter. They snapped. Motoresi says snow plows speeding through his Joe Rich neighborhood have been a problem for years, and he built the fence to protect his house. Three years ago, we had problem with the plower. When they drive by, they're going so fast. All the gravel hit the basement window and the house window, and we had two broken windows. And it doesn't matter how much we stop them. We tell the operators, please slow down. It doesn't help. A broken fence isn't the only problem. Motoresi says he had to use a tractor to move a small boulder that got pushed into his parking spot. I mean, you didn't notice this rock? It's over 20 feet, you shot it. Motoresi says he's called and emailed Argo, the company responsible for plowing his area, but has received no response. He wants his fence fixed and the plows to slow down. This has to stop. I can't do this anymore. They're not helping us. Argo declined a non-camera interview but said these things happen sometimes. It says it tries to get back to customer complaints within 24 hours and it will be looking into this matter. Jules Knox, Global News, near Kelowna. Yeah, that guy definitely not happy. Now the final king tide of the season rolls in just after 10 o'clock this morning. The extra high tides began to rise on Wednesday morning. They did cause a little minor flooding in coastal areas around Metro Vancouver. The False Creek shoreline and parts of the bike lanes there were underwater. From here they will subside and the high tide level will drop nearly a metre by next weekend. All right, well, at least they're all over now, Yvonne. So now we can just concentrate on the rainfall we're getting. Yes, and yeah. we're going to see an additional amount of rain leading in towards our Monday. So uh, be prepared for the commute and for back to school and back to work. Here's what we're seeing on the satellite and radar right now. Though the moisture is just sinking to the south of us into Seattle and Washington. And we are going to continue to see these waves of moisture this evening and leading into Monday. A look outside of our tower cam right now overlooking uh, BC Place and Science World. It's a wet one for a few spots, even into the south. Temperatures are sitting at 6 with an easterly wind at 20 kilometers per hour. High today was at 6 degrees, right where we should be. And a record on this day, 13 degrees, was set back in 1945. Two is the high today for areas near Kamloops, seven for Victoria and Tofino. Central interior today with that light snowfall just sitting at the freezing mark as a high. And six was the high for areas near Prince Rupert. So we will continue to see moisture. It's a number of systems that's working its way across the province, also, a wind warning is still in effect for the central coast as well as the northern sections of the island where we could still see gusts of up to 100 and 110 kilometers per hour and sustained winds at around 90 kilometers per hour that should start to subside when we look ahead towards tomorrow. So the rain will be at heavy at times for our Monday. Many areas looking at 15 and up to 20 millimeters throughout the day. The northeastern corners of the province for the peace tomorrow, a change is on the way. The return for some snowfall in anywhere between 2 and up to 4 centimeters and it does remain unsettled for Tuesday, Wednesday and on Wednesday. Wednesday, a drop in temperatures once again with only a high of minus 24. 
Whitehorse tomorrow, it's isolated flurries, minus 15. On Wednesday, some breaks in the cloud and much drier conditions. Coastal sections will remain as rain, up to 20 millimeters inland. Could see some wet snow in the mix, especially for areas near Terrace and pushing towards Smithers. Tuesday, Wednesday, still seeing periods of rain for coastal sections and highs of 4 and 5 degrees. Caribou and Central Interior flurries with temperatures at the freezing mark, cooling off on Wednesday with only a high of minus 13. Columbia and Kootenai region will start to see most of the moisture late in the day for tomorrow. And especially for the early morning hours, it's still a chance of flurries changing over to a chance of showers. Wet flurries or wet snow for most areas near the Thompson Okanagan and by the evening hours tomorrow, a range between 2 and up to 4 centimetres Tuesday, Wednesday, with highs of 2 and 3 degrees. Whistler will see anywhere between 2 and up to 4 centimetres of snowfall with temperatures just staying at the freezing mark. Showers on Tuesday and a few wet flurries once again on Wednesday. Across the island, it's really the northern sections that will see very windy conditions with gusts of up to 110 kilometers per hour. Southern and eastern sections near Victoria tomorrow. It's rainfall with temperatures up to 7 degrees. And across Metro Vancouver, it's on and off rain over the next few days. It is going to remain unsettled. Temperatures for tomorrow should be closer to 7 degrees. And we'll look at an additional 25 and a few spots closer to 50 millimeters by the end of tomorrow. Sonia? Thanks very much for that, Yvonne. All right, great news for the family of a 12-year-old girl from Alberta. She needs an urgent bone marrow transplant and has finally found a match. As Kim Smith of Global News reports, the odds of this happening are pretty rare. Tough road to go down, but a big payoff in the end. It's news this family has desperately been hoping for. There's a very good chance that, uh, that this person, whoever they are, wherever they are, um, may have just saved my daughter's life. Alex Pasichnik was seemingly healthy until this past June when she was diagnosed with a rare and serious blood disease. She's been unable to go to school and every week has at least two blood transfusions. She's a strong girl and uh, she definitely is a fighter. She's made it this far and, and that says a lot about her. Several bone marrow donor drives were organized to try and find Alex a donor. Her younger sister, sitting here with her parents, wasn't a match. But on Wednesday, the family learned the odds were finally in its favor. To find a match is around 1 in 14 million as far as being able to find somebody. So it's, it's a very unique thing when you have a match. and um, it's, it, They're like snowflakes, right, when it comes to your genetics. Finding a donor is the first step to a cure. Doctors have told the family there's a 90% chance the transplant will be successful, but there's also a 5% chance of death. She hasn't said much, but as you see, she's not sitting here with us. Uh, uh, I think she's scared. Yeah, I think she's yeah, pretty worried. I think she's pretty worried. So she was in on all the meetings and she knows what could or couldn't happen. Although there's still a long road ahead, the family hopes the anonymous donor knows the impact they're having. It's changed our family for sure. It's changed our outlook on people too, like complete strangers. It would save our daughter's life. Kim Smith, Global News. Fantastic news. We wish uh, Alex and her family a lot of luck with that transplant. Up next, Canucks on the road in Montreal tonight. Barry is here with how they're doing and the rest of the day's sports news. Stay with us. All right, let's catch up with uh, all the day's sport right now. Mm -hmm. Canucks, they're yes. at it again. Yes, at it again. Yeah. They put in another good effort. I like yeah. the way they're playing right now, despite the fact they're, they're down a lot of guys. Thanks, Sonia. Uh, there's no doubt the Canucks have played their best hockey on the road this year. Their speed and structure 
seem to be more evident playing away from home, and the goaltending also seems to be stronger. When they're on enemy ice, last night a fine effort in a 3-2 shootout loss to the Leafs. Tonight, a chance to gather more points against the struggling Canadians. Sven Darchi back in the lineup after missing 11 with a broken jaw. Chris Tanev did not dress after taking that puck in the face last night in Toronto. Lost some teeth, but they say he could play Tuesday. Andres Nilsson tested early and often. Max Pacioretty on the breakaway, stopped by Nilsson who, like Jacob Markstrom, has struggled a lot lately, but both Swedes have played good so far on the road trip. Habs get on the board. Carl Alsner's shot deflects off the stick of Troy Stetcher in, so no chance on that one for Nilsson. Canadians led 1-0, and they had a chance to add to the lead shorthanded. Paul Byron's got great speed. He's in alone, but Nilsson just gets a piece of that one with the shoulder. 12 saves for the big Swede in the first. 1-0 Habs after one. Second period on the power play. They set up the one-timer for Alex Galchenyuk, who powders one past Nilsson. 2-0 Habs, and Vancouver really under siege at this point. Chance here for Brock Besser, but Carey Price makes the save. And then finally, with seven minutes to go in the second, Alex Edler will just get this one on net. And Daniel Sedin, nice little redirect in front, and the Canucks are on the board down just 2-1 despite the fact they'd really been outplayed. And they have another opportunity after that. The goal giving them a boost. Troy Stetcher with the chance off the faceoff, but Carey Price makes the stop 2-1 after 2, but the Canucks still in this one. And then in the third, they'll tie it up on a pretty play here. Daniel cross-ice to Besser. Look at that little saucer pass to Michael Delzato, who shows some nice finish. Ties it up 2-2, but the Canadians... Do regain the lead midway through the third. Juicy rebound here by Nilsson. One of his few mistakes. And Brendan Gallagher makes him pay the former Vancouver Giant. That's 16 on the year now for Brendan. 3-2. They've just added another 4-2 halves in the very late stages in the third. So it looks like the Canucks are going to lose that one. Oilers and Blackhawks. Edmonton hemorrhaging big time. And they could not stop the bleeding again today in Chicago. First period. Nick Schmaltz on the rebound gives the Blackhawks a 1-0 lead. And then a minute later, rookie Alex DeBrincat will bank one in off Mark Letestu's skate, sneaks through Cam Talbot. Whatever can go wrong is going wrong right now in Edmonton. Oilers in a hole again, down 2-0 after one second period. Darnell Nurse gives the Oilers some hope, joining the rush. Sweeps it into the net and one motion there. His third of the year cuts it to 2-1, but with just 10 seconds left in the period. This is a backbreaker for Edmonton. Brandon Saad makes it 3-1. Hawks win 4-1. Edmonton has just won 5-1 since the Christmas break. Outscored 28-9 in those seven games. Meanwhile, the Winnipeg Jets have not missed a step since their star center, Mark Scheifele, went down a couple of weeks ago. First period against the Sharks. Former Oiler Matt Hendricks scores on the backhander. Fourth-line production for the Jets. They lead 1-0. Second period, another unlikely goal scorer. Mark Dano going to the net. He directs the Jacob Truba slapper. 2-0 for the Jets at that point. Sharks got one back, but in the final minute of the second on the power play, Matthew Perot gets his 11th, and the Jets win again 4-1. They're 5-0-1 since the Scheifele injury. Winnipeg 57 points. They lead the Central Division. Still to come, a shocker in the FA Cup. Playdowns in England and the final eight are now set in the NFL playoffs. Highlights from Jacksonville and New Orleans when we come back. 
Welcome back. As Saturday proved, there are no guarantees on Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. The road teams won on Saturday with Tennessee and Atlanta booking their ticket to the Final Eight. Today, two more games, starting with the Saints and Panthers in New Orleans. Saints and Panthers, a couple of 11-win teams, but New Orleans did win both in the season series. Could they make it three straight? Not easy to beat a good team three times in one season. Carolina looked good early, but Cam Newton's perfect pass dropped in the end zone by Kalen Clay, and then they also missed the short field goal, so nothing for the Panthers. Saints got the ball, and they do this. Drew Brees going deep to the former Panther, Ted Ginn Jr., and he will not be caught. 80-yard touchdown, 7-0 Saints after the first. Second quarter, Brees making it look easy again in the Big Easy. Nine-yard touchdown pass to Josh Hill, 14-3 Saints. Then later on in the half, it's Michael Thomas with a tremendous diving catch at the one, led to another Saints touchdown. New Orleans up 21-9 at the half. Fourth quarter, still down 12. Finally, the Panthers get in the end zone. Cam Newton zips it to tight end Greg Olson for the major. Panthers still very much in it, down 24-19. Saints, though, will answer. Breeze connects with Michael Thomas for another big gainer. This one goes for 46 yards. Down inside the 10, down to the 5. They would punch that in for another touchdown to go up 31-19. But Newton and the Panthers weren't done yet. Finds Christian McCaffrey in stride. He takes it all the way. 56-yard touchdown. That silences the Superdome. 31-26 with 4 minutes to go. Now, Saints had the ball 4th and 2 at midfield. They decided to go for it. I guess a first down does end the game, but they didn't get a first down. Breeze was actually picked off and the Panthers still have a chance in this one but they need a touchdown and they had some penalties and some problems fourth and 23 11 seconds left Newton is sacked and that's it Saints take it 31 26 they move on to the divisional round and what was a wild wild card matchup in New Orleans so this is the way the NFC divisional playoffs will look next week Atlanta goes to Philadelphia of course no Carson Wentz at quarterback for the Eagles Atlanta is actually the favorite on the road that one Saturday at 1:30, and then the Saints and the Vikings from Minnesota that goes Sunday at 1:40. meanwhile in the AFC Buffalo Bills first playoff game in 18 years at Jacksonville Jacksonville's second best defense in the NFL Tyrod Taylor's pass tipped and then intercepted here by Aaron Colvin it was a defensive of struggle 3-3 at the half not a lot of action in this one but on fourth down the Jags go for it Blake Bortles one of his few completions hits Ben Koyak for the TD 10-3 Jags now Taylor got hurt so the Bills forced to go with Nathan Peterman at quarterback late but Jalen Ramsey ends it it was a bad football game, but the Jags prevailed 10-3. They move on to face the Steelers next Sunday. The Bills have not won a playoff game since 1995. So the AFC matchups look like this. Tennessee at New England on Saturday at 5:15, and then Jacksonville and Pittsburgh, the home team's heavy favorites in both of those games. 
Olympic spot on the line in the new sport of Olympic mixed doubles. It's a two-person rink in curling here. One man, one woman. And the players competing in today's final have some Olympic pedigree. Caitlin Laws won gold with Jennifer Jones in 2014. Great throw here to score four with her partner, John Morris, who won gold with Kevin Martin here in Vancouver in 2010. They led 5-2 over Brad Gushu and Val Sweeting. Gushu, a 2006 Olympic champ, and Laws and Morris go on for the 8-6 win, so they'll represent Canada in Pyeongchang. Of course, Canada always the gold medal favorite in any curling competition. And an historic moment for Canadian cross-country skier Alex Harvey today at the famed Tour de Ski, which is a nine-day sixth stage event in Europe. Harvey in the number four bib there became the first North American to ever hit the podium in this grueling event. Harvey finished third in today's final stage, which features a brutal, nasty uphill grade climb to end the race. He finished third overall. It was won by Dario Colonia of Switzerland. Harvey exhausted at the finish, but an incredible way for him. He's a definite metal threat in South Korea as well. All right, FA Cup third round, Arsenal and Nottingham Forest. Tied at one in the first half, 44th minute. Gunner's a bit sloppy, can't clear. And Eric Lehigh outside the box, scoring the goal there to give Nottingham Forest a lead at two to one. 64th, Arsenal called for the foul here in the box. Definite there, big contact. So a chance for Nottingham Forest to go up by two. Ben Brereton steps up and knocks it in. 3-1. What an upset we've got in the making, but Gunners aren't done yet. Danny Welbeck will get past the keeper and just chip that one in to make it 3-2. But in the 84th minute, more shoddy defending. Gunners called for another PK against, and Kieran Dowell with a chance to ice it. Scores, and the defending FA Cup champs are out. Nottingham for a stunning arsenal in the third round. And final round of the Century Tournament of Champions from Maui. World number one, Dust, uh, Dustin Johnson had a comfortable lead when the day began. Now, this is a 433-yard par four. Yes, it's a bit downhill. He's got a bit of a tailwind. That's 433, and he not only hits the green, but this is tracking towards the hole. For the albatross, that's a three under par. Rarely happens that close to that, but he is cruising and basically just about to put the finishing touches. He's playing 18 with an eight-shot lead. He's going to win the tournament. Adam Hadwin of Abbotsford finished 32nd in the 34-man field. That's almost hard to believe that he walloped that 430 yards. That's crazy. Maui sounds nice at this time of year. It wouldn't be a bad place to play. If you're a champion, you get rewarded. You get to play golf in a nice place. Yeah, it's not bad at all. All right, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 170. Grouse 205, Cypress 220. Sasquatch with 5 new centimeters of snow. Revelstoke with 7 new centimeters and a base of 159. Manning Park a base of 114. Powder King with 4 new centimeters of snow. Big White with a base of 161. Silver Star 149. Sun Peaks with a base of 124. Apex with 4 new centimeters of snow and a base of 145. Oh, look at those temperatures. Finally tonight, well, if we're cold, we, we'll just turn the heating up. But what do you do if you live in a zoo? Just ask China. Uh, some animals there getting a spa day. Flamingos enjoyed a nice hot spring bath. 
The chimpanzees, we'll see in a second, got a heated floor installed in their enclosure, so they're pretty happy with all of that. Uh, but you know, some animals would rather still play out in the snow. This one having a good roll around uh, in bone-chilling <laughs> temperatures, absolutely loving it. Got a fur coat though, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. A little different for the flamingos. Panda can handle it. Panda can handle it.